there was a stat that was in this article that we were talking about that office vacancy rates are approaching 25%. So 25% of all offices are vacant. And small and mid-sized bank hold almost 70% of the outstanding loans on commercial real estate. So not every piece of commercial real estate has debt on it, but of the ones that have debt, 70% of those are held by small and mid-sized banks. We're not talking about the JP Morgan chase of the world. Correct. So this regional banking crisis that we lived through last March and we thought was potentially in our rearview mirror, this could, this could cause some issues here. Welcome to The Financial Commute, a weekly podcast that gives you the rundown on what's going on in the current market, how it affects you, and what you can do about it, all designed to fit into your commute. I'm your host, Chris Gillespie, and each week I share the table with a knowledgeable guest, including Morton Wealth Advisors, fund managers, and investment analysts, to break down complex financial topics. Our goal is to provide you with the tools to help you navigate any market environment, leading to a path of more confident investing. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us for another episode of The Financial Commute. I'm your host, Chris Gillespie, joined by Wealth Advisor, Patrice Benning. Patrice, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Chris. Stock markets hitting all-time highs in 2024. Most of the headlines around, you know, corporate earnings and, you know, technology and chip makers reporting earning, earnings that are causing their stock to soar through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, fears of a recession are pushed out farther into the future. The Fed potentially not lowering interest rates anytime soon, but that's not the full story. It reminds me a little bit about the other day when I went to go pick up my daughter from school. She was so excited that I came right in the middle of the day that she came running up to me screaming, daddy, daddy, daddy. And lo and behold, when I get there, her face is just torn apart. The whole right side of her face is just bright red and bloody and dirty. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, why is she so happy? Why is she so so excited? And what the heck happened there? Because it wasn't just so much about her excitement to see me. I mean, there's an underlying story that I need to know about her tripping and falling. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the excitement that's going on, but also some underlying risks that we're seeing out there that people should be aware of, right? That's probably the best analogy and visual that you could possibly Oh, Trace, you should have seen it. It was the whole thing. Yeah. I wasn't, it's, yes. I hope she's doing better now. Well, you know her. She's extremely resilient. Yes, yeah. we do know her. But again, you know, in the headlines and what we're seeing sort of in the markets, the S&P 500 touched um, an all-time high, 5,000. Um, pretty impressive. If you closed your eyes the last few years and you woke up, you might be surprised. You might not. I don't know. But it's been a little bit of a roller coaster coming off of 2022, 2023, with stocks playing more of a seesaw or a volatile um, trend. There's been nothing but talks about inflation and the Fed raising interest rates, wanting to tighten, you know, put controls on the system to tighten um, and get control over inflation. But then here we are here, January of 2024, and the economy and the market is just ignoring all of it. What are your thoughts about I think it's it's very interesting to see the dynamic of what's happening right now because when, like you said, on the on the outside it looks like everything's great, uh, payroll is holding up, jobs look to be doing great. Um, so this recession that we've been waiting to come since last year, and I think the Fed 
in there when they raised the interest rates so aggressively, they thought we are going to have a recession, but that there was no impact truly to the economy. It stayed as resilient as it is. So I'm very curious to see if they are planning to cut rates this year. They said three times or three quarters of a percent. Yeah. If, if that's even needed or if we're going to stay in this particular higher rate environment, whatever the they call a neutral rate, rate which was pre-COVID, and, but we're now at just the higher levels of that. And if the economy can sustain it, then they might not cut rates this year. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, neither one of us have a, a crystal ball and we lost our ability to see the future. Yes, we have. Nor are we rooting for a recession. I mean, we want the economy to stay strong. We want people to have jobs and make more money and feel safe. But it's just interesting over the last 15, 16 years, how we've seen the market go from you know, just tons of liquidity, forcing interest rates to be low. They were worried that the economy wasn't going fat, growing fast enough. So we're going to keep rates at zero and we're going to keep pumping money into the system. We're a couple of years removed from that now where basically the Fed has stepped in and said, oh, we've got inflation is now a problem. We have to no longer print money and we've got to start raising interest rates. The Fed raised interest rates at the fastest pace in history. Mm-hmm. Um, was it 11 rate hikes? So 11 rate hikes between March of 2022 and July of last year. And so, again, there's a lot of boom, doom and gloomers out there that in the headlines are saying, oh, this is disastrous. The, the market's going to go down. The economy's going to go into a recession. And it seems like so far the Fed has done a pretty good job navigating this because they've been able to raise rates, mm-hmm. fight inflation to a degree. Um, and we have not gone into a recession. And so there's a lot of liquidity out there. Consumer spending still doing well, but we're seeing some signs of that cracking a little bit. You saw something with regards to credit card balances kind of ticking up. Is that right? That, and I would say, I'd say the the danger with rates going up, we see it across the board. So consumer debt, and not just that, but the refinance risk, right? So consumers that have to either, if you buy a house or if you have to refinance any kind of debt right now, you're looking at two to three times the interest rate that was available two to three years ago. So that is really um, shrinking the ability of, I would say, even anyone to be able to get more for their buck and reduce just cash flow. But kind of taking it to the next level, if you were to think even last year and the bank crisis that happened almost to the date a year ago yeah. and where we are today, it's a little bit different landscape because last year banks had a duration problem, right? They were invested in long-term treasuries that have been impacted by the rising interest rate environment. Well, it's shifted now. We're looking at these mid-small to mid-sized banks that have commercial real estate loans that interest rates are, the loans are coming due. They have to be refinanced. And liquidity as it was, you know, as far as the credit guidelines, that was tight to start with. So that could potentially be a big problem going forward. Well, interest rates affect a lot of different areas in the market. But, you know, you touched on the banking crisis last year. And I'm surprised with what happened, how resilient our economy was to get through it, although there were some measures that were taken to, to put into place to, to really help with that that bank facility that allowed, you know, these troubled banks to use the treasuries that they had as, as short-term funding. But New York Community Bank Corp, their stock is down almost around 50% in three trading days. They were the bank that purchased Signature Bank, who was in the headlines and had issues last year. And so, you know, New York Community Bank 
bought Signature Bank and came with it all of the assets and all of the loans, not all of it was good. So since then, these troubled loans and these troubled commercial assets are now sort of rearing their ugly head and New York Community Bank Corp is suffering from that. There was a stat that was in this article that we were talking about that office vacancy rates are approaching 25%. So 25% of all offices are vacant. And small and mid-sized bank hold almost 70% of the outstanding loans on commercial real estate. So not every piece of commercial real estate has debt on it, mm -hmm. but of the ones that have debt, 70% of those are held by small and mid-sized banks. We're not talking about the JP Morgan Chase of the world. Correct. So this regional banking crisis that we lived through last March and we thought was potentially in our rearview mirror, this could, this could cause some issues here. And I think to your point, and this is something that was kind of brought to light last year, but I think even for us and what we talk to our clients about, again, bring awareness about how your money is titled at the bank. Understand FDIC limits on 250000 per person, per social security number. Um, if you have an account, two people, the two beneficiaries, you can actually have a million dollars because it's the beneficiaries who insures each person for two fifty. So if you have a trust, but... I'd say definitely be mindful and careful because especially if you bank with a smaller bank um, so that you don't you don't experience what last year brought. No, I, I'm glad that you, you mentioned that because FDIC um, limits were definitely in the headlines last year. And, you know, as long as the assets that you have at any of these small or medium sized regional banks um, are, are less than that FDIC limit, you, you should be protected. That's right. Um, Schwab and Fidelity, they're far different than a bank. A bank will lend out 90 cents for every dollar that they take in. So, I mean, technically, you could have a bank run on any institution, including J.P. Morgan. If enough people woke up one day and said, hey, I want you to give me my money, J.P. Morgan doesn't have it necessarily sitting there. Um, so a bank run can happen on anybody, whereas Schwab and Fidelity, they, they, they are not banks. They're not lending out 90 cents on every dollar that they have in deposits. They're primarily serving as a custodian of your assets. Schwab has a small banking arm, but it's far different than what um, some of these stresses that the small and regional banks are. Right? Yeah. yeah. What What are some things, you worked in banking for quite some time. Um, what are some things that you think people should be aware of as they're, besides the FDIC insured limits, as they're thinking about the relationship that they have with their banks or even um, the need to refinance and, and, and what they should be looking at? Anything come to mind? I think it's definitely, well, when I, as a recovered banker, as I say, I, I've, uh, I've cherished my relationships I had with my clients, but I think FDIC was the number one pain point when it came to discussions with clients. Also, know, understand how, how your bank does. Truly, banks, they need our deposits in order to make loans. So I would say... When last year, when Silicon Valley Bank, literally they had on a run on the money because somebody had just literally issued something on social media, not it had nothing to do with the fact that Silicon Valley Bank was truly in trouble necessarily. They just had more illiquid assets. Yeah. So I would say that generated this entire frenzy around people taking all their money out and then left Silicon Valley Bank in a really dire spot. So I'd say understanding even how a bank operates, you can ask, you know, you can talk to your banker and even you get the public information for, I would say, most of the banks out there, unless you're with the credit union, how, what's the reserve requirement? And you can have to see like the liquidity and 
But I would say if you're FDIC insured, you should be taken care of. Um, on the lending side, banks care for, they, they uh, take pride in relationships. So they'll, they'll typically give you better interest rates if you do have you know deposits with them. Though right now, I would say a lot of people is we admit we talk to clients too that are on the fence. Like, do I buy now? Do I wait for rates to drop? Let's say make a decision that benefits your family based on the current situation, not on something that's out in the future that we have no control of. Yeah, that's those are really good points. I mean, one of the key differences between this year, uh, if there is a banking crisis, not saying that there is, but if there is a banking crisis this year um, versus the the one last year, is right now there is no bailout facility in place to help small and regional and mid-sized regional banks um, to use the bad office buildings as collateral for funding to help them get through this crisis. So um, that's one key difference. Whereas last year, there was a banking facility that the Fed put in place. And they said, if you had any you know, treasuries or mortgage-backed securities on your balance sheet, you can use those as collateral to kind of br bridge some short-term funding. So it'll be interesting if this stress continues how the Fed steps in. But that's going to be a key factor is whether or not they choose to decrease interest rates in the future and by how much because, you know, banking stress does filter out to become economic stress. It's absolutely what we, yes. yeah. Patrice, there's so many different things that we can talk out talk about from time to time. But, you know, I think that this is a good one. Thank you so much for joining with me. The markets are hitting all-time highs. And as we're getting excited about that and some of the earnings especially from the technology companies and the excitement around that. We can't lose sight around the, the other risks that, that are going on in the market. But now that interest rates have gone from zero and the baseline rate, we call it treasuries are you know, four or 5%, we're finding some great opportunities, more specifically in the fixed income or the, the lending market that are creating attractive returns. So thank you for all that you do and helping our clients and, and this company and uh, look forward to having you on again. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for joining us, and we hope this episode has provided you with a roadmap to feel more confident as an investor. To receive notifications about weekly episodes, email us at financialcommute at mortonwealth.com.